0: Time has come for me. I'll be coming back again
1: Okay, I'm running a little late here because I forgot something at the last minute, but uh, I always have to start talking on time because we've got the live stream and people at home are sitting there looking at their watches and thinking, where is that fool? Here he is. Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you. Hope your week went well. Uh, You've probably gotten wind that we had some issues here with the building this week, Uh, but uh, repairs are on the way, so we're confident that uh, we're going to be able to uh, be back to normal next Sunday. And I appreciate all the People in the classes that had to move today, uh, we just had some issues in in the basement. And, uh, so, but I hope your week went good. And uh, we want to welcome our online crowd and uh, encourage them to let us know that they're on board. Somebody asked me yesterday, "How many people do you have watching online?" And I said. I have no idea. never occurs to me to ask anybody. 2,000. 2,000. 2,000. She's, she's jerking my chain is what she's done. So um, do want to, uh, if you didn't get the memo that's hanging on the door, Little Sprouts, parents... Uh, your kids will go to Modular One today when, uh, when we dismiss the kids for their own junior worship program. Uh, nobody's using the basement uh, until, until next Sunday. Uh, let's see. After the service today, we have our hot dog extravaganza. It sounds like big doings, doesn't it? It is. It's a potluck. And that's always big doings. So uh, we hope that you'll plan to stay for that. Uh, If you didn't bring any food, we'll throw an extra hot dog in the water for you. Uh, Don't let that keep you away. Uh, What else? Uh, On Mondays, on Mondays, uh, I have a an online prayer service on Facebook you can tune into. That's at 4:30, and love to have you. Uh, you can give me prayer concerns in preparation for that if you like. My wife has an announcement she'd like to make, but uh, hold on there, Lisa. We have a a microphone for you. Turn turn that on.
2: all the way Okay, is it on? Uh, I'm going to be starting a class next Sunday for women, and it's called Core 52, and it's based on 52 core scriptures in the Bible, and it's 15 minutes a day, five days a week homework, and at the end of this 52 weeks, you'll know 90% of what people are what the preacher preaches from, and you memorize these 52 core verses and uh, there's a video lesson and a discussion and I wanted to invite any women who are interested. If you're interested in that, talk to me today and I'll order you a book. Thanks. All right.
1: Thank you, Lisa. (laughs) Megan, what do you got? Um, So fish fry is in two weeks. It's on August 14th. On the back wall, you will see a nice school of fish. Um, Every one of those... Papers is a need that we have for the fish fry, so please take a look and um Pull it down if you're going to donate your time or that item. Um, we just ask that you let me or Latasha know what you've pulled down so that we know who to hold accountable. Um, and again, that's on uh, August 14th during Butler Days. If you're online watching and you want to help, just drop a comment that you're interested in helping, and we'll get back with you. Um, and then also, if anybody has like cornhole sets or like a yard game like that that we can use um, during the fish fry, we would appreciate that as well. Bring your jarts. Remember the old jarts? <laughs> yeah, we want them. Yeah. We play dangerous. Lisa Christ has Church. Yes, Lisa. Did you say that the, the, one? the nursery is at Modular 1, yeah. But I knew that those parents already dropped their babies off there. So, uh, yeah, the nursery. Uh, all the kids' programs are in the other buildings. So, all right. I think that's all we need. Oh, we won't have uh, the youth minister Christian make announcements because I got word early this morning his roommate has the COVID. So uh, I'll have to consult with our medical experts here in, in the church to figure out what we're going to do with that boy. Uh, so, Yeah. What would you say about intensive care? I didn't. I did not. Somebody's in my ear. About, it, was it was Jesus. <laughs> we, we just spent a whole class hour about uh, the words of our mouths and the fire that can be caused because of them. All right, we're ready to worship. Let's go to the Lord and start off with prayer. Oh, holy God in heaven, we are so grateful to you for the love that you show to your people from creation through the formation of Israel and all of our history and to the church, Lord. We thank you that you're the shepherd of the flock. Lord, help us to always acknowledge your supremacy, your majesty, your might, power. Lord, help us to give you the praise that you desire, and uh, Father, help us to be pleasing in your sight today as we come before you in worship. It's through your name, Jesus, through the name of Jesus that we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen.
0: Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King that conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King that conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King that conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain we
1: grace that he's given to us. His people, we're so in need of that grace. We're going to sing about that some more with this old hymn that we're going to do. Wonder the grace of
0: Jesus Greater than all my sin How shall my tongue describe shout
1: today find out who they are
0: It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You my brothers and sisters were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself.
1: in you and we can trust in you and you are reliable in all of your ways
0: Perfect and spotless one.
2: I'd like to read Exodus 1.8. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Freedom is always just one generation from extinction, quoted Ronald Reagan in a speech in 1961. The history of Israel in Egypt confirms that idea. They had moved to Egypt as honored guests. When a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt, they were enslaved. Joseph had preserved Egypt from starvation and turned the nation into the economic colossus of the ancient world. He had had made Pharaoh the richest, most powerful man in the world. The best thing Pharaoh Had ever done in his entire life was to put Joseph in charge of everything and stand out of his way. As long as that king was alive, Joseph and his kinsmen were respected. It wasn't that way in the subsequent generation. Someone had failed to study history. Someone had failed to give thanks. There's a reason the Lord told Israel through Moses to place reminders everywhere about the law and the covenant. Moses told the Israelites that almost as soon as they would settle in the promised land, they would forget the Lord their God. It's just not freedom that faces extinction in the next generation. It's our walk with the Lord. It makes us to remember to continue in breaking up bread, to read the Bible, what God has done every day. If we forget, we fail to give thanks. If we fail to give thanks, we lose sight of where we came from. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much that you loved us, that you sent your one and only son, that he went to the cross and died for us so that we can have forgiveness of sin. Lord, we remember all that you've done in our lives. And as we take these emblems, we're gonna remember the price that was paid for our sins. We thank you so much and give all praise and glory to Jesus. Amen. And so we take the bread and remember Jesus' broken body. And we take the cup and remember his shed blood.
1: All right, let's go ahead and dismiss our children to their own worship program. I failed to mention during the announcement period that uh, we've got some cards in the pocket of, the, uh, of those seats in front of you, and uh, if you'd fill one of those out if you're a visitor, we would appreciate that. We'd like to know uh, how to mail you our newsletter, and uh, so, yeah, that'd be great. TV program preceding the 1988 Winter Olympics featured blind skiers being trained for slalom skiing. As impossible as that sounds. Paired with sighted skiers, the blind skiers were taught on the flats how to make right and left turns. When that was mastered, they were taken to the slalom slope where their sighted partners skied beside them, shouting left and right. And as they obeyed the commands, they were able to negotiate the course and cross the finish line, depending solely on the skiers next to them that could see. It was either complete trust or catastrophe. And that's a vivid picture of the Christian life. Can you imagine putting that kind of trust in somebody. And yet, when you think about it, we do it every day. You drove to church today within a mere maybe two feet of an oncoming vehicle that you trusted to stay on their side of the line. That's amazing trust when you think about it. Well, that kind of trust is just as important within the church family. Trust among the people of God has always been important. This is part two of our series from the book of Numbers entitled Lessons Along the Way. Israel was on her way to the promised land, but problems were developing that threatened the fulfillment of God's plan for her. Last week, we saw that the Israelites often had trouble trusting God. Today we'll see that problems also arise when leaders don't trust each other. We'll be in Numbers chapter 12 today if you're following along in your Bibles. And I wonder how many ministries and how many great works of God have gotten sidetracked because leaders didn't trust each other. In a church, There. are Are of course multiple leaders in various capacities. It's not just the preacher. The elders are obviously leaders as they help shepherd the flock. The deacons and deaconesses provide leadership as they manage specific areas of ministry. Teachers are looked at as leaders by their students. Other Christians are leaders just by virtue of the fact that they have people who are drawn to their personalities. Today, I want to look at three marks of trustworthy leadership. As I do, we'll look at the characters in this story and we'll apply some lessons to the church. The first mark of trustworthy leadership, a humble spirit. Let's take a look at Miriam and Aaron in our story. In Numbers 12, I'll read verses 1 and 2. Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife, for he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses, they asked. Hasn't he also spoken through us? And the Lord heard this. Now, you remember Miriam. She was the older sister who put the baby Moses in the basket on the Nile River. Well, she's still Moses' older sister, but now the baby Moses is 80-plus years old. Except for her leading the women in a celebratory dance after Israel escaped from Egypt, she's been pretty much invisible, and now she is called the Miriam the prophet back at that time when she led the dance in Exodus 15. And you remember Aaron, the brother of Moses. God had designated Aaron to be the spokesman for Moses when he stood before Pharaoh. So that did make Aaron a prophet. He was speaking the words of God. And God has appointed Aaron to serve as the high priest over Israel. Was Miriam's prophetic role going to her head here? Was her popularity among the women of Israel giving her illusions of grandeur? And Aaron, in the last chapter, we saw that Moses named 70 elders to assist him in governing the people. Now, maybe Aaron was upset that he was not among those 70. Maybe he felt that he wasn't getting enough credit for being high priest. Maybe he was jealous because Moses was still the younger brother. Well, those admissions all would have sounded pretty lame. But the excuse for their criticism is found in verse 1. Moses' wife was a Cushite. Exodus 2 tells us that when Moses left Egypt after his upbringing in the palace, he went to live in the land of Midian because he had killed an Egyptian who was brutalizing one of his Jewish brothers. He went to live in Midian, which some call the land of Cush. He married Zipporah, the daughter of Ruel. And Miriam and Aaron are now objecting to Moses' choice of a wife. But they're grasping for an excuse to find fault with him over his wife. In actuality, they're jealous of Moses' authority. This is an issue of pride. And how many times... Is what we do that displeases God an issue of pride? As they whisper their criticisms to one another, verse 2 gives us four words that make all the difference. The Lord heard this. The Lord heard this. Be careful about what your pride causes you to say about your brother or your sister in Christ. Let's look at Moses. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, there's a parenthesis there. It says, now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Wow. That's quite a statement. It's a good thing Moses couldn't read those words or would have gone right to his head and he would have been automatically disqualified. Moses was raised in the palace of the king of Egypt. For his first 40 years, he had the finest of everything. He had the best education that was available to anyone in Egypt. And yet we never see Moses tooting his own horn at any time. When Jen was our youth minister here, she and I would sometimes disagree on things. And then I would joke that my master's degree outranked her bachelor's degree. She was gracious enough not to remind me that she was obviously smarter than I am. I can't pull that card on Christian, our new youth minister, because he also earned his master's degree before he came to Butler. I have to remind him that he's a University of Alabama fan, which earns him zero points in Indiana. Moses would not have done that. He was a man of humble spirit, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Imagine that. Martin Luther once said, God creates out of nothing. Therefore, until a man becomes nothing, God can make nothing out of him. Do you remember when God appeared in the burning bush to recruit Moses for the job of leading Israel out of Egypt in, or out of slavery in Egypt? Moses' question was, who am I to speak to Pharaoh? And then he said, the people won't believe you have sent me. And then he said, I'm not very good at speaking. My tongue is slow. And finally, Moses just threw up his hands and said, please, send somebody else. Moses knew who he was, and he knew who he wasn't. And nobody would be as critical of Moses as Moses was of himself. You know, no American president could laugh at himself better than President Ronald Reagan. He'd been getting some flack about Ordering the production of an airplane called the B-1. He said, how did I know it was an airplane? I thought it was a vitamin for the troops. <laughs> and maybe some of you old timers like me recall the day in the, in the Reagan administration when an American plane shot down two Libyan jets... And the White House was engulfed in controversy because the president's aides didn't wake him up in the middle of the night to tell him about it. Well, the media was going crazy. And the next day, he got off a great remark. He said, I've laid down the law to everyone. From now on, anything that happens, no matter what time it is, I'm to be awakened, even if it's in the middle of a cabinet meeting. When criticism comes, a truly humble spirit is never defensive. Matthew Henry was the great commentator and Bible scholar. He wrote, the more silent we are in our own cause, the more God is engaged to plead it on our behalf. Today, a humble spirit is still a mark of trustworthy leadership. In 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, the Apostle Paul details the qualifications for elders in the church. A humble spirit isn't mentioned there specifically. But if a candidate for the eldership doesn't have humility, he will never qualify. Paul says in 1 Timothy 3, 6, as he cautions that the candidate shouldn't be a new convert, it's because he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Qualification for the eldership requires a humble spirit. Men who aspire to leadership have to have no personal ambition, no counterfeit motivation. It's got to be to serve. A properly humble spirit seeks only God's will. The second mark of trustworthy leadership is a faithful spirit, a faithful spirit. God puts a high premium on faithfulness. He always has. In fact, faithfulness is one of the fruit of God's Holy Spirit. Now let's look at Miriam and Aaron again. The fact that these two are questioning the authority of Moses demonstrates their unfaithfulness. They use Moses' marriage as the excuse for their discontentment. But that's just a pretense. They're pretending. This is really, as I said, about their own ambition and pride. They were obviously envious of Moses' position. Now, this is not necessarily a power play by Miriam and Aaron, I mean, have you noticed that they haven't expressed their opinion to the people of Israel? They have not called for a meeting of the 70 newly appointed elders of the nation. We're not given any indication that they have even complained to Moses about his place of authority. I mean, as far as we know, this is a private conversation between two people. It's not a power play, but verse 2 tells us, The Lord heard this. Be careful about what your pride causes you to say about your brother or sister in Christ. Over in verses four through eight of of Numbers 12, it says, at once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out to the tent of meeting, all three of you. So the three of them went out. Then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance to the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When the two of them stepped forward, he said, listen to my words. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him, I speak face to face, clearly, not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? See what's happening here? God calls a meeting of Moses and his siblings. And he basically says, you three meet me out behind the woodshed. You ever heard those words from mom or dad? No, because nobody has a woodshed anymore. (laughs) But there was some form of that order given. God comes down in the form of a pillar of cloud to address them. But he's come really to talk to Miriam and Aaron, not so much Moses. He says, when I speak to a prophet, and keep in mind these two had been prophets. I'll give him a vision. Or I'll speak to him in a dream, but not Moses. I don't speak to him in visions, and I don't speak to him in dreams. We speak face to face. He sees the form of the Lord. So why aren't you too afraid to speak against him? Well, it's because Miriam and Aaron weren't faithful. But God compares them to Moses. When God tells Miriam and Aaron about his messages to his prophets, he says in verse 7 again, as I read. There it is. (laughs) But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. And when God says Moses was faithful in all of my house, he means in all the things in which I put him in charge. When God calls Moses his servant in verse 8, the literal translation of that word is the equivalent of what we would call superintendent. Moses was the superintendent and he was faithful in that role. God is looking for leaders who have a faithful spirit. Fred Craddock was one of my adjunct professors at Kentucky Christian College. And he addressed a group of ministers and he said, We think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, Here's my life, Lord. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. And we go through life putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there. We listen to the neighbor's kids' troubles instead of saying, get lost, kid. Or we go to a committee meeting. Or we give a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually, giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of love, 25 cents at a time. It would be easy to go out in a flash of glory, but it's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. You know, that's true not just of ministers, that's true of every Christian believer. Each one of us is called to that kind of faithfulness, but it's especially true of leaders in the church. We need to serve in the position where God has placed us. Aaron had a place. He was the high priest. Miriam had her place. She led the women in worship. Let's call her the deacon of women's ministries. But they stepped out of their place. It says in verses 9 through 12, The anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. And when the cloud lifted from above the tent, Miriam's skin was leprous. It became white as snow. Aaron turned toward her and saw that she had a defiling skin disease. And he said to Moses, Please, my Lord, I ask you not to hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. Why was Miriam stricken with this skin condition instead of Aaron? Or why not both? Was it because Miriam was the instigator of this disgruntlement? Is it because she's the eldest of the three siblings? Is it because God didn't want Aaron to have this skin condition because he had to make sacrifices for the nation as the high priest? We really don't know the reason God afflicts Miriam and not both or not Aaron. But God is clearly angry with the two of them. Be careful about what your pride causes you to say about your brother or sister in Christ. The third mark of trustworthy leadership is a forgiving spirit. A forgiving spirit. We don't see it in Miriam and Aaron. They're finding fault with Moses for being married to a Cushite woman. They're forgetting that Moses had this same wife when God called him to lead Israel. But we see a forgiving spirit in Moses in verse 13 of our text. So Moses cried out to the Lord, please God, heal her. Now notice that Aaron who has arrogantly presumed to have prophetic gift equal to that of Moses, he doesn't speak directly to God like a prophet would. The high priest of Israel, who goes into the very presence of God on behalf of his nation, asks his brother to go in to talk to the Lord for him. The spokesman who supposedly had the gift of speech to be able to go into the presence of Pharaoh now asks his brother who said he had no gift of speech and was tongue-tied, he asks that little brother to speak to God for him. You know, the church at Corinth had some people who criticized the leadership of the Apostle Paul. But Paul recommended that the church show mercy and forgiveness to the people who were slandering him. In 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8, Paul wrote, If anyone has caused grief, he has not so much grieved me as he has grieved all of you to some extent, not to put it too severely, The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I urge you, therefore, to reaffirm your love for him. Paul is urging them to forgive these people who have been slandering his name. Paul had a forgiving spirit. And Moses had the same forgiving spirit. All of God's leaders need a forgiving spirit. James Garfield was a fill-in preacher, what's called a lay preacher. He wasn't paid for it. And he was also the president of his Bible college. He was brilliant. They say he was ambidextrous and could simultaneously write Greek with one hand and write Latin with the other. In 1880, he was elected President of the United States, but after only six months in office, he was shot in the back with a revolver. He never lost consciousness though. At the hospital, the doctor probed the wound with his little finger to find the bullet. He couldn't find it, so he tried with a silver-tipped probe, but he still couldn't find the bullet. They took the president back to Washington, D.C., and despite the summer heat, they tried to keep him comfortable, but he was growing very weak. Teams of doctors tried to locate that bullet. They probed the wound over and over, In desperation, they asked Alexander Graham Bell, who was working on a little device called the telephone, to see if he could locate the metal inside the president's body. He came, and he tried, and he failed. The president hung on through the month of July and through the month of August, but in September, he finally died. It wasn't from the wound It was from the infection. That repeated probing, which the physicians thought would help the president, eventually killed him. We can probe, and we can reprobe. We can dissect and inspect and reject those who served the Lord with shadows in their past, like Miriam and Aaron thought Moses had with his Cushite wife. But we need to allow God to do the judging. That's not our role. Now that's not a call to compromise or wink at sin. The scriptures call for discipline in the church when sin threatens to divide the flock. And we see that in 2 Thessalonians 3, 14 and 15. Paul says there, take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. We see that although God did forgive Miriam and Aaron, He still disciplined Miriam. In verses 14 and 15 of Numbers chapter 12, we see how the story turns out. It says, The Lord replied to Moses when he asked God to heal her. If her father had spit in her face, would she not have been in disgrace for seven days? That was the law. Confine her outside the camp for seven days. After that, she can be brought back. So Miriam was confined outside the camp for seven days, and the people did not move on till she was brought back. Sometimes the leadership needs to deal with issues in the church. Other leaders, teachers, deacons, influential people need to trust and support the decisions that are made. There have been times in the years that we've existed where we've been forced to ask someone to come in and speak to us as elders. We don't publicize it. We don't spread it around. Truth be told, usually it doesn't turn out very well. People don't like being called into the principal's office. But when it threatens to divide the church... It has to be dealt with, and people have gone away, and you've seen them go away, and maybe you've wondered why they went away. Well, that's why they went away. And we didn't put out a memo. We didn't post a bulletin. We didn't put it in the newsletter. But it's happened over the years, and we appreciate the trust that you've placed in us when that had to happen. God's leaders in every position of leadership need a humble spirit, a faithful spirit, a forgiving spirit as we seek the Lord's guidance along the way. Now let's apply what's been said here. Once again, I want to remind you, be careful about what your pride causes you to say about your brother and sister in Christ. And if God has given you a place of leadership, I want to encourage you to serve with a humble spirit. Serve with a faithful spirit. Serve with a forgiving spirit. Of course, all of this only applies to the children of God, those who belong among his people. And uh, in a given crowd like this, not, usually not everybody has committed themselves to Jesus. And so we always offer an invitation for whoever might feel the, the calling of God's Spirit on their lives to put their faith in Jesus. We've had some little children last week put their faith in Christ and have their sins washed away. We're going to have a, another young man in a couple of Sundays here do the same thing. It happens all the time. Most of the time it happens in a private little deal. Not on a Sunday morning before the church. The people are giving their lives to Jesus. We want to offer that same opportunity for any of you who've never put your faith in Christ. And so, once again, we'll sing an invitation song and give you the chance to step into the aisle and come down here and profess your faith in Jesus. And we'll make arrangements for your sins to be washed away in baptism. So, here we are. Let's stand. Let's sing our invitation song i'm forgiven because you were
0: forsaken i'm accepted you were condemned i'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and you rose again amazing love how can it be that you, my king, should die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true, and it's my joy to honor you in all I do, I honor
1: Oh, glorious God, we, we thank you for the stories of the Old Testament that teach us so much in the church of 2021. Lord, the, the times change and the circumstances change, but people just don't change. Lord, we thank you that we can, can see a, a valuable lesson along the way from when Israel marched to the promised land. God, we're on our same path to your promised land in heaven. Lord, we want to do things in a way that pleases you. So, Father, help us to learn and to grow. As we leave here, Lord, we pray that you'd be exalted all week long in all that we do and say and think. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Our, uh, we're going to proceed uh, to, well, some of you will head for the kitchen. You've got food down there. Uh, some of you have a dish in the oven, maybe. And we're going to make our way over to the playground. Uh, ah, I forgot my lawn chairs. <laughs> Hope you brought yours. Um, and, and I suppose this is a, a good opportunity to tell Jim Harnish... Happy birthday. This is Jim. Surprise parties never really go the way we want them to, but Jim, you probably figured it out when you've seen the guests that are here. Uh, This is a little surprise party for you, so you can't say... You can't say, I'm going to go home and take a nap. You've got, you got to stick around. So, uh, yeah, Jim has some special guests that uh, have surprised him today. So, uh, we're going to celebrate Jim's birthday. Jim, is that your brother Ed? Yeah. <laughs> Ed, Ed Harnish, who for many, many years was a preacher of the gospel, and this other guy? That's Bill Harnish, another brother. All right. God bless you, men. We appreciate you. And uh, we appreciate your brother who's been such a vital part of our congregation for all these years. So, uh, all right. All right. We're going to close with uh, the singing of our closing chorus and we'll proceed to whatever is next for each one of us respectively. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Oh
0: Lord, we praise your name. Oh Lord by your name, Prince of Peace, mighty God, oh Lord God
1: Almighty. All right, see you at lunch. I'm good.